0: As soon as he gets full ownership, they're going to become the Napa Cardinals, and he's going to open up a vineyard next to the stadium. Wow, they'd be Uh,
1: be a lot closer to San Francisco than the current stadium. (laughs) Welcome to Joe Picks, an NFL team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. This week, we're going into the Southwest, where we venture to the driest NFL city, at least for the next couple years anyways, the Arizona Cardinals. For any first-time listeners out there, by the end of this week's podcast, the Cardinals will either fly into the Sweet 16 or get caught in one of those wind turbines and get rejected. Joe, how are you feeling?
0: Dan, I'm feeling good. Ready to talk about the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Joe, what are we drinking this week?
0: Well, for the Arizona Cardinals, we are drinking a snake bite. Mm. So the reason why we're drinking a snake bite is Arizona is home to many species of snakes. It has the most venomous snake bites of any state in America, though interestingly, not the most snake bites. That honor goes to Florida.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, well I, those two things seem to go hand in hand because if it did have the most snake bites and the most venomous snakes then I feel like they would do some sort of major education campaign to prevent the whole population from dying.
0: It's a venomous. So apparently in Florida, people are just getting bit by like a shitload of non-venomous snakes.
1: Yeah, who cares? Boom. It's like right. getting bitten by a mosquito.
0: Right. I don't even know why there's a, a stat on that because people shouldn't even be going to the doctor for it. Yeah. Maybe just anecdotal. In Arizona, though, they're all rattlesnakes. In fact, their state reptile is the ridge nose rattlesnake. So I don't really have any idea why this drink is called a snake bite. It's, uh, it's half lager and half dry cider other than. An urban legend that it was banned in pubs in the UK, which is not true. Uh, I couldn't really find much about the origin of the drink, but I thought that this would be a uh, fitting drink for the state of Arizona. I will say it's a very cool drink, so it would be nice in like the hot Arizona sun.
1: It's true. Because we're getting into the fan mail and the fan mail box. I mean, it's like I looked inside, I peered in, I checked again. And all we have is one measly email from Karsten and everybody else. I mean, in the last episode, I feel like people made a lot of big promises about things they were going to contribute to the podcast. And uh, they left us wanting. Wow. What about Tom? No, Tony? nothing. Sean? Okay. Well, I'm lying. Tony, Tony diligent as always did his, his homework assignment. But I feel like that's not uh, what the mailbag's about. Tony, he's just got a recurring segment on the show now
0: yeah he's a field reporter at this point that's
1: yeah that's not and and believe me this does have some good on the ground reporting from the nfl draft again when this pick happened but you know come on guys we work really hard (laughs) to record this podcast for you and all we ask is that you spend one minute out of your day after spending the one hour out of your day listening to it to write some inane nonsense about either how terrible we are or how great we are that's it. Is it really that hard to write one email? Just write nothing. Just send a blank email. That's fine. Just so we know you care.
0: Right. Say, what's up, guys?
1: Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> see to, to show you how low we're going, I'm going to read Karsten's email, which is just a series of what he calls suggestions, but are basically complaints about the podcast. But you know what? He goes to the effort to write the email. I'll go to the effort to read it. And I think he's got some interesting ideas here. All right.
0: L- lay it on us, Karsten.
1: So he says first, why don't I put the rankings and the scores on the website so it gives fans a chance to see sort of in one place what you scored everything and you know who's guaranteed to be moving on. What do you think about that, Joe?
0: It does seem like it would be spoilers though for people who haven't listened. We want people to be able to go back and listen to our catalog, right? Yeah. To so go to the website and all the all the answers are right there. What's the point?
1: Yeah, it is that's the reason I didn't do it, but at the same time, for our sort of super fans out there who have listened, I think it would be nice for them to sort of be able to take a inventory of who's moving on, who got rejected to, sort of to see what the rankings are as they as they build. So, I'm I'm conflicted.
0: So, so what about this? We have our main web page and then there's like a super fan lounge area that you can oh, go to with a secret, secret URL, secret password. Secret URL, secret password that changes every 30 minutes. Um,
1: (laughs) No, No, that's what I'll do. I'll make a secret page that has a secret URL that I will announce. In fact, I can just make it up right now, and then I'll just do it before this gets posted. Okay, so what's a good
0: secret URL, Joe? Maybe it should just be (laughs) secreturl.com.
1: No, (laughs) it's got to be joepixpod.com slash something. Or it can be something.joepixpod.com. All right, fine.
0: JoePixPod.com slash Secret Lounge.
1: All right. That's it. So everybody out there who th- are ultra super fans. And you know what, Joe? To spice it up, I'll put a secret VIP feedback email address on that in the secret lounge. Whoa. So Whoa. so they can bypass the all the um, random schmoes who are sending in the feedback. Okay. So JoePixPod.com slash Secret Lounge. One word is where all of the ranking information and the ordering and all the data is going to be for super fans only, though. If you give that away, if you give that away to people that haven't listened to it, then I'm taking the whole thing down, taking the Secret Lounge down. I mean, there are huge spoilers on that page. Yeah, I mean, it spoils the entire thing.
0: You're ruining the experience for anyone who hasn't listened.
1: Yeah, don't do it. Do not pass that. I'm going to keep stats on that. He also has one other suggestion, which is, I think it would be good if there was a fan poll that one rejected team gets to advance to the Sweet 16. For instance, if only 15 teams are selected, maybe leave it up to the fans to fill in one more team. And so maybe it gives all the fans of the show an opportunity to make you take a second look at a team that maybe you overlooked. I like it. I like it. All right. So you're, you're into it, Joe.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I like it. But let's see where we're at. I feel like I don't want to give up my chance of just picking 16. Yeah. I, I already feel too constrained.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know what the numbers are, but once I make the secret lounge, I'll then look at the secret lounge, which will have all the uh, all the data about who's moving on and who's not. All right. Now, that's it for the mailbag. But look at that. Carson wrote in with suggestions, and we took one and a half of them. Yeah. Well, this secret lounge is actually going to be a lot of work for me, so Carson's really... You know, that's if you send it, if you do the effort to send in a message, I mean, he didn't even capitalize the beginning of any of his sentences. And I actually like took his bullet points and made them into thoughtful things. That's how much work we will do if you just spend the five seconds to write anything in you lazy bums. So
0: how do people write in, Dan? Maybe if you mention that once or twice, people would actually do it.
1: So if you're a super fan, go to JoePickSpot.com slash Secret Lounge and use the secret vip email address that i'll put there but if you're a normal not super fan who's just listening to this episode and you haven't listened to all the rest do not go to the secret lounge you are banned from the secret lounge and just use the regular email address nfl at joepixpod.com send us feedback about this episode send us feedback about the team we're doing next week the green bay packers or just send us inane suggestions like karsten did
0: Yeah, I think we've shown that we will literally take any suggestion. Well,
1: we'll debate it. I don't know we'll take it. Carson just gave great suggestions. Hat tip to Carson. Now, before I get to the field reporting from Superfan Tony about the Arizona Cardinals draft, before we start opening up the book and analyzing this Arizona Cardinals show, do we have any fan feedback from our explosive doubleheader from last week? Dan, we have so much
0: fan feedback.
1: Oh, my God. I'm nervous, Joe. All right.
0: Well, let's just talk about the Patriots real quick. Then we can move on to your Washington football club. So the Patriots had an interesting thing happen on the page. So, you know, normally I post on Reddit. I post a link to our podcast and people comment and they vote on it and they, you know, talk about it. And then a certain percentage of them go and listen with this right away. Like, literally, I posted it. And the exact time that it would take for someone to stop and listen to the episode, someone posted, this is bullshit, he didn't even pick the Patriots. So, <laughs> immediately then, every comment after that is just, like, commenting on me not picking the Patriots. And let me tell you, Patriots fans don't like to lose at anything, including my affection. Uh So, Unbelievable. Things, things got a little rough. However... They did How sort of
1: spoiled can they possibly be?
0: They did sort of accept the um like the Patriots are too good it would be sort of a bandwagony pick. They they accepted that argument and then just started bashing other teams. Well, like if you're going to reject us for being bandwagony, you have to also reject the Falcons. Whatever, on and on like that. The one interesting but note the though, the
1: Falcons d- lost. God, fucking Boston
0: fans. What is wrong with them? It's it's like if we can't have you, no one will.
1: And the Falcons aren't like prohibitive favorites next year the Falcons are they're like three teams ahead of the Falcons the Patriots are the prohibitive favorites next year
0: one thing that we didn't talk about last week in the Patriots episode though and I was corrected on this so I I made the point on the podcast I said something to the extent of like what kind of Super Bowl could they win they've won every type of Super Bowl they've they've won comebacks they've won it when they're underdogs when they're favorite they've won blowouts
1: I know because I I edited this and I was like oh boy this is wrong
0: but they've never won a blowout
1: It's true. Now, I think if I could go back and edit all the stuff in, they've won as huge favorites, they've lost as huge favorites, they've won as huge underdogs, and they've won a ridiculous comeback. All of those would be accurate things to say. But to the point, every Super Bowl they played in, literally every single one has been super close. It's
0: amazing to me that this last one... That they barely won, that they won in this huge comeback, is the one that they've won by also the most points. That they beat the Falcons by six points. Every other one was a three or four point game.
1: It's incredible. I know it's crazy. I mean, they were all they were all close. It, like against Jake DeLome, it was close. It's just crazy. Uh, but but it is true that if you ignore the game at all, they've won as huge favorites. They've lost as huge favorites. They've won as huge underdogs, so they've really run the gamut of results based on how they were going into it.
0: As close as it is, there's this alternate universe that exists somewhere out there where the Patriots have lost seven Super Bowls in the last 15 years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's an alternate universe that's not hard to get to where they're three and four, where they're two and five. I mean, it's not hard to get into. I mean, if not for the tuck rule, I remember watching that Raiders game in I what 2002 2001 right, the game right. was over the Patriots had lost and this this thing happens and nobody even knows what's going on to from this rule that nobody's ever heard of and all the su- all the all of a sudden the Patriots have second life and they're kicking this ridiculous at you know remember Adam Vinatieri is winning all those Super Bowls with all of these like crazy kicks it's oh, unbelievable that that's what Boston fans don't even appreciate and I think that's like. One thing that I had failed to mention is just not only that they've won so many, but just how close how- they've come to not. Exactly. All right.
0: All right. Well, we don't have to pile on. We don't have to pile on the poor patriots who haven't.
1: No, who they eliminated my the Washington night. Wizards. All right. And all then-
0: right. All right. All right. All right. All right. We got it. Okay. So now this is, this is, that was just a little. And a moose boosh. And a moose boosh. The real deal is the saga, the adventure, the the historic tale that I have had with my adventures on your Washington Football Club Reddit page.
1: Joe, you've been you've teased this to me for days that there that there's been a saga of epic proportions here, but you have not told me what happened. It was like a
0: battle of okay.
2: Let
1: me
0: tell you what happened. Okay, so first of all, for this segment. I'm going to use the team name Redskins because it's relevant to the story. Quite relevant. Okay. When I post this, um, our podcast to Reddit, I always post it with the same title because it's sort of been like A B tested of like, this is the thing that like actually like gets people to not rip my fucking head off for whatever reason. So I post this. I'm an abandoned charger fan with a podcast where I evaluate which team I should become a fan of. This episode, we discuss the blank as my profession. As my potential new favorite team. That's it. Nice and simple describes it, but it's I like, like it. okay, so whatever. Yeah, it seems to get people to not hate me. Okay. In that description, I had two choices to make. One is what to fill in that blank with. So I decide yeah. to fill in that blank with the word redskins because that's their community name. It's where I am. I'm trying to be like, respectful to the community. I thought about it a lot. And also like the fact that us, I think, choosing not to say it on this podcast is really about not wanting to offend anyone. And in this community, this is a community of people who are like-minded in not being offended by this word. So I use the name Redskins. The other choice I make is do I want to tease the fact that you, my co-host, are a huge Redskins fan? So I decided to add a little bit to my normal title. In parentheses, I put "BTW," my co-host is a long-suffering Washington sports
1: fan. In yeah. parentheses, okay, accurate statement. Look, Absolutely, nobody could possibly dispute that. This 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 title
0: led to such a firestorm. Let me tell you. So immediately, people start commenting. Because they see the phrase Washington sports fan. And apparently in this community, they are so sensitive to people criticizing the name that even saying Washington without the word Redskins next to it, (laughs) people assumed that I was someone who didn't want to say the name. So literally the first comment I've ever
1: written here. (laughs) Quote.
0: The Chargers can have you, bud. If you're too high and mighty to call this team by their actual name, move along. Oh, no. So then what happens is – Oh, boy. (laughs) So that's the first. That's the first wave. The first wave is people criticizing me because I've used the phrase Washington sports fans. Okay. Then there's a wave of defenders. But the defenders are defending me because my post has the word Redskins in it. So they're like, "No, no, 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 no! Hold on, you guys. He's just saying that because obviously his co-host is a fan of many Washington sports teams, but he uses the term Redskins. So obviously he has no problem with the name. So then all these people are defending me, and I feel like I'm loved. But then I'm like, "Wait a minute! I'm this loved for gonna, something that I don't believe
2: backfire.
0: in." Well, well also I, I feel an like hour and a half of tape. Also I feel like dirty. But it's like. If you're walking outside with a torch and you happen to like walk by a clan rally and then everyone's like, oh, look, he's one of us. Like like suddenly they all believe that I'm one of them. So they're defending me to the point that a mod comes in and is like, you guys are berating this person. Obviously, he is a defender of the name and he starts deleting (laughs) everyone who's berating me. But then what happens? Oh, no. The third wave. The third wave is people who have now listened to the podcast oh, no. and are now coming in saying, no, 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 hold on. They actually don't like the name. So <laughs> this is where, Dan, this is where you became a controversial figure. So oh, no. uh Dan, if you are too P word to say the Redskins, uh, then I don't want you next to me in the FedEx field. LOL. I don't know why they put LOL there. It's not really funny.
1: Well, I've never been to FedEx field, so <laughs> no problem, buddy. And then
0: Dan, I know you're going to wear this as a badge of honor when i read this comment you're gonna be so excited about this all it said dan is an sjw cuck <laughs> congratulations dad you've, you've been called a cuck right. online i know this is a is, big moment for you is
1: there, what is the like venn diagram of the donald or subreddit group if you if you go it's like the most insane group of They're not even Donald Trump supporters. They're just like professional trolls who have just chosen supporting Donald Trump as their like means of expressing themselves and the group of people who (laughs) defend the name to the death.
0: I mean, I think it's a pretty... There's a pretty heavy overlap there. So Are so you then, sure
1: you didn't accidentally go to the subreddit dedicated just to like <laughs> the cementing name. the name and so, not the one in no, the actual no, no, this fans? Is, are? This is
0: the forum. So then so then the mod is still confused though. And the mod is still deleting all these comments, even from people who have listened to the podcast.
1: But you know, this the funny thing is this is sort of how the Donald works as well, where they have moderators who Anytime anybody disagrees with like the overwhelming what they want, they just delete it. So you go to this thing and it's just like, you're like, why isn't anybody arguing with these people? Like, haven't they all lost their mind? It's like, you can't argue with them because even if you do, it'll just get deleted. So it creates a very distorted perception of like, obviously, it's a crazy subreddit filled with insane people. But the fact that they're deleting any read or mention of the debate of the name is already
0: well and it's right there in the rules it says this is not a place to debate the name so anything about the name now just gets deleted so anyway uh listen to the whole thing pretty unfair dan can get fucked it's great um (laughs) i do want to read one bit of feedback that was actually about the episode and about us picking the team so i just like this because it sounded a lot like you Seriously, don't even bother with the skins. My fellow fans can berate me all they like. I feel nothing anymore. Go nuts. If I were in your shoes, there's no way I'd support this team. Just cross them off your list and move on to other teams. Most of us are locked in and have already endured a lot of heartache, pain, frustration, and we're insane for thinking it will change. It will not change. Someone will inevitably chime in and talk about promise and the direction we're going in and the draft and blah, blah, blah. I've heard every variant of hope and faith as it pertains to the redskins for 25 years pay no attention to them they are dreamers
1: boom i love it joe that i i need to go find this and upvote that person that is <laughs> that is a very honest washington fan and it it's not just for the football team it's for all the teams
0: so that was my adventure on the Redskins Reddit wow. page.
1: So based on what you were saying, I actually thought I was going to get insulted a lot more because of not talking about like the nuts and bolts of the football team enough. But I guess that uh, was overshadowed by the rest of it. Because truth be told, Joe, due to the point that person is making, I've sort of... I mean, I guess as a San Diego fan, you, you really haven't had this ability as much because... I know when the Padres were good, you were sort of allocating your fandom a lot to the Padres. I remember you would listen to the Padres games on the radio Right. when right. they were good, you know, when Jake Peavy was starting, it was exciting, but I, the Chargers were also good then. Right. So, but I sort of, if you consider my fandom at like 100%, I'm like probably right now, and obviously there's only one team that's currently playing, which is the Nationals, I really am allocating like 50% of my fan hope in the Nationals bucket. And the Washington Football Club is probably down at like 20% or something. Like I didn't watch all 16 games last year because I knew I was going to be disappointed. I watched a lot of the games. A lot of the games actually were on national TV and I got streams of them. But it's like I watch at least 80% of the Nationals games. You know, When the Nationals are coming to town, I'm going to the three Nationals games at AT AT&T Park. When the Washington Football Club comes to town to play the 49ers, which I think they do every four years, they might be doing this year, I would not drive to San Jose to watch the team play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not so different in San Diego. Um, There aren't other teams to root for, but when the Chargers suck, you just go outside and you stop watching.
1: Yeah, and I think with this team, and to that person's point, I see a future With the Wizards. It's the two star players of these young players. Very exciting. You know, they had a great season this season. It ended a little disappointedly. The Capitals have had the best record in the NHL two out of the last three years, I think. Maybe two out of the last two years. They always flame out in the playoffs, but they're, like, capable. And the Nationals are just really, really good. Right, right. The Washington Football Club, their chance of winning the Super Bowl, you know, let's just look at the Vegas odds. It's 2% they've you know what it, it's the type of team that it's it's just not as a fun team to root for Take, taking aside all the disappointment of washington of the of the four washington teams it's right now by far the one that is furthest away from a championship and you know i express some like drunken hope that because of that they would somehow win but that's not going to happen that's you know the nfl doesn't really work like that when you watch these playoff games you know, you don't need a seven-game series in the NFL to determine the best team. You know, the best team will beat your your team. You know, 60 minutes is enough football to show that. And, um, you know, they're really... They need to, to score on some big things to become relevant. And, uh, you know, they're not right now. And they're probably not going to be for a while you know, unless they... I mean, they need a quarterback that wants to play with them. And, and obviously, if the defense, whatever, we there's no reason to talk about this.
0: You have a lot of kindred spirits on the Redskins Reddit page, and then you have a lot of people who fucking hate you.
1: Yeah, that's fine. That's good. I actually thought they were going to be upset about different things. If, uh, if all they're doing is spending their time being upset about the name,
0: then... Yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. but But my point about the name, I think it's such a good agreement for that think about all of the stress and moderation another thing people have to do because people oh, might want to argue about the name how how many arizona cardinal moderators in their reddit do you think have to delete posts about people coming in and talking about the name cardinal none i mean it's just imagine the aggravation they have to deal with it's, it's well stupid. and i
0: think i think that that i think is is exactly right i mean i think that a lot of the people on this page, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of just assholes who are like racist and Trump supporters and whatever. Okay. But then a lot of them, I think, are just tired of arguing about the name yeah. and and they just don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. They don't want people coming onto their board, making them feel bad about it. And I think that is like this whole conversation was just a good example of that people are
1: just exhausted with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's stupid. All right. But that's it. We're done. They're closed. The book is closed on them. They are out. Unless, of course, the fans pick them to come back into the uh, Sweet 16 to lose again. But our, that,
0: fan, our fan pick for the zombie team that will return from the dead.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is, we know they're not going to get a lot of support from the Washington subreddit because I will not put the name no. on the poll. So, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, they're done. The book is closed. Goodbye, Boston and Washington. We enjoyed talking about you, but your watch has ended. On to the Arizona Cardinals. And now, Superfan Tony telling us how they went in the draft. And this was a really interesting one because I remember when the Arizona Cardinals went on the clock, they made their pick and it elicited a massive cheer from the audience. And I was like, at this point, I had gotten out of the line and was getting a beer. And I was like, why the hell is everybody cheering for the Arizona Cardinals pick? And this is why, as it turns out, they picked Hassan Reddick of Temple University, which is a former employer of Superfantoni, where he was a professor. And it's right in the heart of Philadelphia. So when Hassan Reddick, who's a linebacker, Uh. got picked, the crowd went absolutely wild. They're very excited. Tony's notes about him, oh, of course, their first pick. He was the 13th pick in the draft. It's a defensive pick, linebacker.
0: Now, is Temple known for their football team?
1: I don't think they're known for their football team at all. But, I, I mean, uh, you, I would have to defer to Tony on that. But, I mean, from my knowledge of the uh, the NCAA football scene, I've never heard, thought or right. heard of Temple ever mentioned in any context whatsoever. Tony's notes about Hassan Reddick. Good player, tough player. He had an incident outside of a Philly nightclub, oh boy, but the charges were dropped, so he's okay. In the second pick the Cardinals made, they went defense as well, and then in the later rounds, they went with a wide receiver and a couple of picks on the offensive line to try to help Carson Palmer a little bit in uh, what probably will be his probably final year, or certainly it seems like that. So we got the first two picks are defense. And we're actually going to get into a little bit about that Hassan Reddick. I've got a little more information about that, too. Defense with the second pick and then, you know, taking some flyers on wide receivers and offensive line later in the draft. So that's what they were looking to improve. So, Joe, let's get the party started. Number one, you don't want a team that is too good. You don't want a team that is too bad. The Super Bowl odds for the Arizona Cardinals are 25 to 1. They have won a total of zero Super Bowls in the past, though hopefully you remember. In 2008, they went to the Super Bowl, and boy, they could have won it. They maybe almost should have won it, if not for a couple of ridiculous plays by the Steelers at both the end of the first half and the end of the second half to sort of steal that game. But that was the only Super Bowl they've been to. Their over-under for wins is eight So you can see they're they're right in that zone, middle of the pack. Yeah, yeah. Where maybe they could be, you know, a winning team. They could be a losing team. You know, I think Vegas is is pretty confused as to what they're going to get out of this team, and we'll get into a little bit more about what we might expect from them based on their offense and defense this year in twenty fifteen. I mean, it is
0: interesting though to be over under at eight when you know we'll talk about the division in a minute, but. It's you're in such a bad division that you would think you are going to be the overwhelming favorite against both San Francisco in both those games and uh, the Rams in both those games. So yeah. so we'll like, get
1: into the odds on that a little bit. But right. yeah, so what you're seeing is You're expecting
0: only four wins out of the other 12 games.
1: Three years ago, they went 11 and five. Two years ago, they went 13 and three and had that really great team second in the NFC. And they lose in, you know, they just get absolutely destroyed by the Carolina Panthers you know, they lose by like 40 points. And Carson Palmer's terrible. He throws four interceptions. I mean, it just looks like lost. And the question is, how are they going to rebound from that? And this year, they just go, they went 7-8-1. and one. So they would have gone, you know, the under 8. And Carson Palmer just, he looked like he's just not the same guy. I mean, Carson Palmer got MVP votes in 2015 well got an mvp vote but whatever that's the fact that your quarterback right, is getting right. even a single mvp vote is obviously a sign of how great a season he had and he did but then last year you know Carson Palmer takes a huge step back they go 7-8 and 1 and i think vegas is in this zone which is are they going to rebound and you know get 10 wins get 11 wins is carson palmer going to come back or is it over is you know right. is carson palmer just done And this year is just going to be a six and 10 year or something like that. You know, obviously, without Carson Palmer, they're not going to be an elite team, you know, unless they find some other quarterback, which, you know, they they certainly did not have in, in prior years. So I think this is a really interesting team if you're going to sort of jump on the bandwagon, because you might get a really exciting rebound year or you might get a really turd year. So let's play the game. Top third, middle third, bottom third, past 10 years, win percentage? Middle third. Okay, playoff wins? Bottom third. Uh, made the playoffs? Bottom third. All right, Joe, this is a dreadful performance on your part. <laughs> they w- have been in the Super Bowl in the last 10 years, you idiot. Well, uh, of, yeah, course, but- of course, for playoff wins, they're going to be top third. So they are in the. That's the- just three wins, though. Yeah, three wins is enough to get you into the middle third anyways. So that's ridiculous. Win percentage is right, 54%. So they're 12th, which is right at the top of the middle third. Playoff wins five. They won three when they made it to the Super Bowl because they came out of the wild card. They were a 9-7 team. Great run. And then they won one the next year, and then they won their first round game against uh, Rob's beloved Green Bay Packers, our next team, last year or two years ago. So they have five playoff wins. They've made the playoffs four times, which puts them right squarely in the middle. So, Joe, dreadful performance on your end.
0: But look, look, let me let me let me defend this performance, though. And this is, I think, the problem with the Cardinals. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but don't they just feel like they've been worse than they actually have been? I mean, when you say that they made the playoffs, you said four out of the last 10 years. Yep. That's actually pretty freaking good. Like, that's not bad.
1: Yeah, and they've made two out of the last three years.
0: Right. But they feel, as an outsider, they feel, and maybe they just don't get a lot of media attention, or maybe they're just winning in boring ways. But for whatever reason, they feel worse than that, than they actually are.
1: Well, I think you might be in a little Seattle bubble up there because, you know, I think the Cardinals, in if you look at the NFC West, there were the couple years where the Seahawks and the 49ers were really duking it out. And then there were in 2015, certainly it was the Cardinals that all of a sudden shot to the top of the NFC West. And I think that in Seattle, basically the Seahawks have been such a constant presence on top of the NFC West and the Cardinals sort of poked their head up one year where they won the division, but then they haven't been, you know, winning the NFC West, certainly compared to the Seahawks. So I think For you in particular, it's easy to sort of overlook them. And then I think nationwide, you're right. They're not like a huge team. I think they have certainly, if you're not counting for the last five years in that sort of Super Bowl run that came out of nowhere, the Cardinals have been a a fairly mediocre team. I don't think that's true recently anymore, but I feel like they're probably not a, a team that has a huge following outside of Arizona, even though I think they were a very exciting team not last year but yeah i think it's an overlooked team i think it's it's easy to not think about how good they have been
0: yeah look i mean i i think they're clearly not too good to root for especially i mean we haven't talked about that many teams that have never won a super bowl which sort of has a soft spot in my heart because i now have like officially forever been denied the joy of a charger super bowl so i sort of I think it would be nice to root for a team that has never won one so I could get that like moment of the first Super Bowl victory. Even for teams where their last one was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it's still meaningful. So they're certainly not too good. I think it's a valid question of if they're too bad. I think what you're telling me about the team, it just sounds like, you're right, it could be an exciting year, return to form, but it could, it does have the feel of a rebuilding year.
1: Well, that's just not accurate at all, but <laughs> the theme for the Cardinals this year is, can we extract one more great year out of Carson Palmer before he sort of goes off into the sunset? And if the answer to that question is yes, the Cardinals could easily be eleven and five, twelve, and four. I mean, maybe not easily easily but it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah easily is the wrong word, but it is certainly possible for them to get there. But if Carson Palmer doesn't bounce back, then seven wins or eight wins would be a very good season. And and as you said, not even withstanding that they have two dreadfully terrible teams in the division. So this team's hopes are pinned on can Carson Palmer sort of have one last good season in him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, look, like I said, they're not too good. They're probably a little bit too bad. Let's just go. Let's be safe. 6 out of 10.
1: All right, Joe. What do you think about the division? We covered this for the Seahawks. You gave the NFC West a four. Now we've got some added information. We've got double added information. I not only have the over-unders for the teams, but I have the division betting odds for all the teams. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Seattle, they're over-under 10 and a half, and the Vegas gives them about a 70% chance of winning the division. Arizona's over-under is eight. Vegas gives them about a 25% chance of winning the division. The LA Rams over under is five and a half. Vegas gives them about a 3% chance. San Francisco over under four and a half have a 2% chance. So this is very much a two horse race. Seattle pretty heavy favorites to win the division, but Arizona has a clear shot. And, you know, for the Seahawks, again, you gave it a four. It's a division that has clearly a top dog in Seattle who's quite a Super Bowl contender. You know, Arizona is a sort of long-shot Super Bowl contender. Probably this division is probably not too different from the NFC South last year, where I think the Falcons were sort of overlooked. It was assumed it was the Panthers' division to win, and all of a sudden the Falcons came out of nowhere and, you know, put up the season they put up.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting with this division. So I think the the baseline of a four that we already gave this division once is a good starting place to start thinking about this. There's two factors that I'm weighing one. This is the only, this is the first other team that we've done in the NFC West. Correct. And the one benefit to rooting for an NFC West team is that I will be guaranteed a chance to be able to see them every year here in Seattle. So in that regard, it actually would be kind of nice to root for an NFC West team. I get to see them. I get to go to the game.
1: But are you really um, going to go to a Seahawks game wearing like Cardinal gear? Yeah, it's Seattle. People are friendly here. I don't know. That's sort of a poser thing to do, Joe.
0: It's not It's not Philadelphia,
1: Dan. Come on. So I know, but you're going to be in the stadium. They're going to be like, oh, you're a Cardinals fan? And you're going to be like, well, actually, I live in Seattle. I'm active in Seattle politics. Like, oh, well, you're from Arizona. you like,
0: no. No, I'm from – no, but but I did this podcast. You guys Go really to this listen website. To it it'll totally make sense. Spend the 36 hours that it will take to understand my choice, but then you'll totally back it. You'll totally get it. Uh, yeah, no, look, it'd be nice to see your team. You know, division rivals are often televised more often, so I'd probably get to see more games here in Seattle. That being said, I think what you're mentioning is also true. The flip side is that, like – Especially rooting for a team that is, in general, worse than the home team in that same division. So I would be like, think of this shit talking I'd be signing up for at work. Twice a season, they'd have to be like, oh, Joe, Joe the Cardinal fan. I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to kick your ass. And then they'd inevitably lose, and then I'd have to deal with that shit. So, you know, it's sort of a mixed bag. And even if they
1: won, they would be like, well, you're just a bandwagon fan.
0: Ban- I'd be like, no, I refer you to my forty hours <laughs> of podcasting. Hours. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, so, so exhibit I think, A, the yeah, podcast yeah. episode There's, fifteen,
0: I think, is a little bit better than the four because I do like the ability to watch the team. So i I think that's that's a boost for them. So five out of ten.
1: All right, not off to a good start. Not a horrible start though. But number three, this is. I believe, going to help them quite a bit. Does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? So their head coach is Bruce Arians, Mm -hmm. formerly with the Colts. And when Chuck Pagano had to sort of leave the team, the Colts, for getting cancer treatment, Bruce Arians came in, coached the Colts to a great season. So at the end of that season, Bruce Arians left, went to the Cardinals, where he has been a very, very good coach there. Roto-World puts him at their number five coaches on their coaching list. And last year, they had him at three. So even last year's campaign notwithstanding, they still put Bruce Arians really high. And last year, they put Bruce Arians number three, just behind Belichick and Carroll. So if you if you look at the stats, I mean, he, he has a 65% winning percentage with the Cardinals. He's been very, very good. And, you know, they basically... I'm not going to read their whole spiel, but basically, Bruce Arians come offensive whiz he's come together he's he basically is an aggressive play caller goes for big plays the cardinals went deep all the time you know in when carson palmer was actually completing those passes which is something that didn't happen last year they've just from an offensive perspective two years ago they were absolutely unbelievable this year they were not good just because carson palmer was sort of just not performing the way that you need to perform in Bruce Arians offense he just wasn't making the throws was overthrowing the guys deep yeah just wasn't yeah. doing it but still Roto World loves Bruce Arians their only knock on him the reason they moved him was three to five is that sort of they're saying when Carson Palmer was just like not making the throws they said Arians just kept stubbornly calling the same plays and doing the same thing that was working a year before and wasn't sort of changing the game plan until it was too late But even still, they dropped him from three to five. Rota World has a lot of respect for him. He's done it with the Colts. He's done it with the Cardinals. He's proven. I think um, this is a coach you got to have confidence in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do worry a little bit that I think, you know, having a coach that has a distinct style of play that is not great at adapting that style of play to the personnel that they have is a little bit worrisome, especially because like... I think there is a tendency for the league to figure coaches out. And unless the coach can adapt to what the league figures out about them, they can have trouble sustaining success. I mean, if you think about Chip Kelly was actually successful for a little while before he wasn't.
1: So this is not Chip Kelly here. His record is 41, 22 and one. He's coached 60 games. Look,
0: look, look, it doesn't matter because the question is about competence. Obviously, he's competent. What did I I give uh, Jay Gruden last week?
1: A seven out of 10. That seems pretty high. I know. When you did it, I said it was high. By the way, wow. I would trade Gruden for Bruce Arians in a split second. Okay. What did I give Pete Carroll? You gave Pete Carroll a nine and a half. Okay. Okay. You gave Marvin Lewis a seven and a half. <laughs> you've been really, you've been dishing out scores for this that are potentially undeserved.
0: I think this is totally consistent and fair. All right. Uh, Bruce Arians will give
1: him an eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. You're just. You just are biased just because you don't watch the games. Wait,
0: I totally threaded that needle.
1: Last year, he was Roto-World's third best. Oh, okay. Best, wait, wait, wait. This year, he's their fifth best. So what your you argument
0: run? is that I should put him tied with Pete Carroll?
1: Fine, Dan. No, Fine. no. I don't think Fine. he should be. I he's think he better than be below Pete Carroll. No. Pete Carroll's nine and a an half. Eight. I think he should be eight and a half or nine.
0: No, it's an eight. Dan, All right. absolutely not. Whatever.
1: Whatever, Joe. If you want to take your anti-southwest bias and just uh, apply it across all the categories It's your, it's up to you you're picking Damn, you're the
0: team. so you're so argumentative tonight this is like you're like uh are you trying to skip bayless this podcast
1: <laughs> well we've got to juice up the the numbers so <laughs> get some controversy so people write in some emails all right number four do the players get in trouble with the law i'm just gonna dismiss the game because it's middle every every week so who cares yes they're middle of the pack Well, you you can't dismiss it the one week I would have gotten it right. Yeah, I'm dismissing it. It's done. Out of it. It's out of the podcast. So I have three player highlights. And these player highlights, there's nothing like severe here. Well, I don't want to diminish anything. The highlights I have are not like the, you know, murder that we were talking about last week. But each of these highlights, I have a highlight of who the player was, what they did, and what the team responded. I think it's a very illuminating look into the team. So, Jonathan Dwyer, a running back with them. Mm -hmm. In March of 2014, Dwyer signed a one-year contract. So, he's just some, I don't want to say scrub, but some uh, very, he's a a prospect at running back. On September 17th, later that year, you know, six months later, during the NFL season, Dwyer was arrested for domestic violence. As a result of this arrest, the Cardinals deactivated him from all teen activities and basically took him out of the team, eventually released him. So that was it. Arrested okay. for domestic violence, yeah. gone. But not a star on the team. Scrub. Right. Laquan Jefferson, seventh round pick as a tight end. The Arizona Cardinals, so this guy, Laquan Jefferson, got a DUI on a thing. He was pulled over, given a blood test, read .156. I think he had gotten it in a car accident, released him. So the second that he, this okay. thing happens, yeah. they immediately release him and they signed another tight end to replace him. Again, but seventh, seventh round, round pick, pick, also a
0: scrub. Yeah, scrub. sure, 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 sure.
1: Okay. Now let's look at Daryl Washington, who was a linebacker who had been to the Pro Bowl and actually had been an all pro. Okay. So now we're talking this guy gets a four game suspension for violating the league's substance abuse policy, whatever. The next month, he's arrested on assault charges after a domestic violent incident. What happens? Okay. They don't do shit. He gets suspended for the first four games, then plays the last 12. Then a year later, when the court case is getting through, he pleads guilty to the aggravated assault charge. It, did, I mean, in this crime, he broke his girlfriend's collarbone, so obviously... Yeah. Something serious happened. He pleads guilty. So, you know, obviously he's admitting it did it. Yeah. He sends to a year of probation. At this point, he is suspended by the NFL indefinitely. So he's still sort of on the roster, but, you know, he's suspended indefinitely. He can't play. No big deal. He's reinstated in April. Then conveniently, the Arizona Cardinals draft linebacker Hassan Reddick out of Temple who's going to slot right into that linebacker position. Uh. And then they release Daryl Washington. Now, they're also sort of releasing him because they're like, he hasn't played football in three years and he's probably, you know, not going to be as good as this guy we just drafted with the 13th pick. But you can see scrubs get in trouble with the law. They're quick to distance.
0: But it's like, but the it's good someone player, who's good. Yeah, uh, Yeah, not it- so fast. It's which, like, we're going to release him, but we just got to find his replacement first.
1: Which I would say is there are NFL teams that are certainly worse. Yes. Yeah, but I wouldn't, you know, they're, it's it's certainly not the most virtuous thing they got. They, they've they certainly got a what have you done for me lately? And uh, if the answer is nothing, they'll, they'll cut ties with you. But yeah,
0: but but, you know, where where it's better than a lot of NFL teams is at least they are like you get the sense that they're trying to rid themselves of players that are getting in trouble a lot now maybe they feel like they have to be practical about when they do that or if they draft someone first or signing a replacement or whatever but they're at least making the attempt which i think as you're saying a lot of nfl teams just ignore it yeah just pretend like it didn't happen uh and so it's certainly better though i though absolutely i think your your point is right like it's Better, but not great. Um, but I think you know they're pretty middle of the road in their overall number of crimes, and they're also pretty middle um, of the road in in how they're handling things. So I'm going to say five out of ten. All
1: right, boy, five, five, five. That's your last uh three teams. All right, number five. i'll oh, keep going. Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. What does Rob think about these Arizona Cardinals? Who I may note beat the Green Bay Packers in a playoff game in that season two seasons ago.
0: Despite this history of beating the Green Bay Packers, Arizona is Rob's fifth favorite team. Wow. What Rob says is, I shouldn't like them since they've beaten the Packers in two heartbreaking playoff games in the past seven years. But they've never been good enough to hate. Even them screwing over St. Louis by leaving... Is now forgotten since the Rams just did. Exciting team, fun to watch, no complaints. So there you have it.
1: So he he likes them the fifth. They, I mean, they they make his top five list of teams. Saying screwing over St. Louis is like a little. But when did that happen? Uh, Nineteen eighty-eight. But even still, St. Louis is a baseball town. Like their ratio is like ninety percent. They care about baseball. I mean, the Rams left. St. Louis doesn't even give a shit. They root for their Cardinals.
0: Whatever, Rob. It's it's weird to even bring in a take from 1988. All right. You know, they're in the top five, so it can't be great. Obviously, we're going to talk about Rob's favorite team next. Seahawks are right there at number two. But this has got to be a three and a half out of ten.
1: All right. That's the exact tie with the Washington Football Club. Also got a three and a half. Wow. People in the secret lounge are going to see this. So you don't you don't even know what the scores are. I've got to keep you out of the secret lounge so you don't. Uh,
0: oh, you're gonna put all these scores on the secret lounge. I thought you were just gonna put the teams that we moved on. Oh, this is No, we are gonna, gonna break it down. You know, you know, I worry about that, Dan, because what I worry about isn't um, isn't that people will find inconsistencies because I know there are none because my <laughs> my methodology so is very g- sound. I'll tell you what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the folks at 5:38 picking up on this and basically. Figuring out what every ranking is going to be going forward and making our next, you know, 15 episodes totally irrelevant.
1: Look, Joe, if people didn't spend 20 seconds writing us an email, they're not going to spend hours trying to predict your picks. All right. Number six. Is it a city you'd enjoy visiting to go to a game? So I have pulled the average high and low temperatures during the NFL season just to get a start to yeah. see what it would be like.
0: No, this is a great way to start this segment.
1: So in September, the average high temperature 100 degrees, the average low temperature 75. So might be a little, you're definitely going to need to stay hydrated. In October, the high, average high temperature 89, getting a little more comfortable, average low temperature 64. That could be nice for some Monday night football. November, average high temperature 76, now getting into the sweet spot. Average low temperature 52, still quite manageable. In December, average high temperature 67, still t-shirt weather. Low temperature 45, gets a little chilly. Definitely going to need a jacket. So you're maybe September's a little hot, but otherwise I think that's... Uh,
0: yeah, and for like the rest of the year
1: other than the summer, it sounds a lot like San Diego. Yeah, except for San Diego doesn't get to 100 degrees. Exactly. Anyways, what are the places on the TripAdvisor thing? Well, the number one thing at TripAdvisor, which is not only like number one in Phoenix, but I think it might be like the number one place in the entire country based on the ratings. What's that? The Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix. 90% of the ratings are five stars and 9% of the ratings are four stars. So 99% of people either give it five stars or four stars. By comparison, I was like, okay, this is just ridiculous. I'm sure all the, like, number one places are like this. But no. Like, San Francisco's number one place, the Golden Gate Bridge, is only 74% five stars. And I looked around other cities. Like, this is an anomaly. This place, this musical instrument museum. Who
0: is going online to spend the time to rate a fucking bridge? Who is, like... The people need to know what I thought of the Golden Gate Bridge.
1: It's the number one thing to do in San Francisco, according to TripAdvisor. But why is someone reviewing it? <laughs> I don't Because it's a thing to do. Why are people reviewing this musical instrument museum, Joe? But I'll tell because you. Because
0: at least that seems like a quirky thing that you everybody want to like, tell people about. Everybody is saying all right, it's all
1: right. great. It's great for children. It's great for adults. People say you just, you get to see like every musical instrument around the world, famous instruments that people have played stuff on their live musical performances there it says it's great for kids or some kids room i mean this is like if you're going to phoenix apparently you got to go to this musical instrument museum even if you don't care about music
0: it's interesting because we here in seattle we have the emp the experience music project and it sounds like a pretty similar place there's like famous Jimi Hendrix guitars, and there's also like a bunch of different instruments that like kids can play and whatever. So
1: I wonder how similar they are. Yeah. No, they're not similar. The one in Seattle blows compared to this one in Phoenix. Then it's just the rest of the stuff, you know, the botanical garden, but it's the desert botanical garden. So I'm sure there's a lot of cacti, cacti and uh, other water scarce plants. Wow. Listen to this. Entrepreneur Advisor,
0: five-star review, beats the EMP in Seattle all to heck. I dragged my husband to this museum. He hadn't been impressed with the EMP in Seattle, so getting him here was a struggle. And I couldn't get him to leave after six hours.
1: So they have to have like a sign on the door. It's like, don't let that EMP get you down. Sour
0: you to musical instrument museums. This
1: is good. Wow. There you go. And then the rest of it's just a bunch of crap. But I'm telling you, if you're going to Phoenix... You go to that musical instrument yeah. museum and, you know, go to the parks, see what the mountains are like. Apparently, that's nice.
0: So it's interesting being from San Diego. I'll tell you, like, the biggest thing that San Diegans think about Arizona. When you're in San Diego, there's, like, the stereotype, and I don't know if this is true in L.A., too, that Arizonans, like, don't know how to drive at all. But if you're behind a car with an Arizona license plate, you're like, Fuck. It's a like like this person is going to be a shitty driver. Okay. So like I grew up just thinking like Arizona, like they must have zero driving tests for new licenses or whatever. Then I moved up to Seattle like 10 years ago and they have the same stereotype about Oregon drivers. And what I realized is that that's just the stereotype of whatever state is next to you. Because when people are here from that state, they're fucking lost because they've never been here before. So these poor Arizona drivers that I've spent my entire young adult life maligning, were just like looking on the freeway to try and figure out which off ramp to get off at.
1: Well, I feel like Arizona might have an elderly population too, but that also might be a stereotype. I don't know
0: yeah yeah that's true That's true i'm actually going to arizona for a wedding this summer so i maybe should check out that uh, museum but look i think arizona i think phoenix is fine i don't think i would be super excited to visit there often it's not like a distasteful place to me but i'm gonna say three and a
1: half out of (laughs) ten ouch oh phoenix they are not gonna like that that is down there it's above dallas but tied with tampa bay
0: yeah. Oof. I'd rather go to Tempe, Arizona.
1: All right. Well, this team is going to need to make a huge comeback starting now, which this may help them. This might not. I don't know. I think, I think they're going to do it. Okay. I believe. Does the team have player players you could put on your fantasy roster?
0: Oh, they definitely do.
1: Yeah, they do. The number one fantasy point producer, period, that existed in fantasy football last year was on this team. David Johnson, number one fantasy player by points. And uh, he had actually quite a bit of distance between him and the number two, which is Ezekiel Elliott. So he had 1,200 yards rushing and 15 touchdowns. And then to add to that, 80 receptions and 880 yards receiving and four receiving touchdowns. So he has over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And in case you're one of those people who likes consistency in your fantasy stars, for games one through 15... He had over 100 yards from scrimmage in every game, which is tied in NFL record. He probably would have gotten in game 16, too, but he got injured early in the game. But game 16 is irrelevant in fantasy football. So if you had him on your fantasy football team, he scored at least 10 points every single game, which is insane. The like mock drafts I've seen for next year put him at either number one or number two behind Ezekiel Elliott. You know, maybe... After training camp or whatever, things will change, but David Johnson is going to be an elite player, Assume he doesn't get hurt next year, and he, he might, once again, be the uh, the biggest producer. I mean, he, he's just rushing, receiving, just the, the exact type of person you'd love to see if you're watching a game on your fantasy team. Number two, Larry Fitzgerald, in his, like, 8,000th season in the NFL, led the NFL in receptions. 107 receptions for 1,023 yards, six touchdowns. If you had Larry Fitzgerald in PPR, in a PPR league, you probably drafted him for, very, for pennies on the dollar, and you got the NFL leader in receptions. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if you're watching these Cardinals games, which I watched a few, it's really great. I mean, if you had David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, you probably won your leagues because every play is either like A six-yard pass to Larry Fitzgerald or like a screen to Larry Fitzgerald or David Johnson running and then passing him the ball. I mean, it's a bonanza, a fantasy bonanza. Their defense, also quite playable, third best defense. They caused the fourth most turnovers in the NFL. Carson Palmer, not really playable, didn't have a great season. As we've mentioned, You know, if you were in a two quarterback league or something, he was playable as your second quarterback, but you could do better. For your first quarterback, but you know you might—he's the type of person that next year you might get for pennies on the dollar again. You know, one dollar, two dollars, something. And if he turns it on, you know, you never know. You might, you might find a diamond in the rough, in the rough there.
0: Yeah, you know that I love those uh, low-cost draft picks that are aging wide receivers. It's my favorite thing. Um, you know, I do think it's—it's it's a general. Cardinals are definitely an overlooked team. When it comes to the quality of their fantasy players. I mean, David Johnson was only in his second year last year. But you yeah. think about the amount of attention that Ezekiel Elliott got compared to David Johnson. And you would think that Ezekiel Elliott was five times better than him. Uh, and no, But I think the overall point is that they obviously have very good fantasy players. They also have players that you could get for a sneaky good deal. And I think that when you have a coach that is offensive minded, like Arians, it's a little bit like when we talked about Jay Gruden last week. You're going to have good fantasy performers, even when the team is mediocre. So I think this is pretty high. This is going to be an eight and a half out of 10.
1: All right. Very nice. Number eight, is the owner a monster? So the owner of the franchise is Bill Bidwell, who is a spry, 85 years old. But I think the the story of Bill Bidwell's ownership in the team is really interesting. So his father, Charles Bidwell, is the person who bought the team. He bought the team in 1933. They were, at that time, the Chicago Cardinals. And a little quip about him that I like on his Wikipedia page. Charles Bidwell's interest in sport was demonstrated by his two aims in life, to win an NFL championship and the Kentucky Derby. He would accomplish neither during his lifetime. (laughs) Oh, harsh. Harsh. But in just to rub salt in his uh, coffin, so he dies in 1947. When he dies, he gives a team to his wife, Violet Bidwell Wolfner, who at the time was the first woman to ever own an NFL team. In her first year owning the team, they win the NFL championship. 28-21 to wow. over the Philadelphia Eagles. She had the oh, magic no. touch. And by the way... They went back to the NFL title game the next year and lost to the same Eagles in a real barn burner, 7-0. <laughs> what an exciting <laughs> an exciting game. So she runs a team for 15 years until 1962. And this is where it gets a little spicy. So in her will, she you know, has a majority ownership stake in the Cardinals, and she splits it between her adopted sons from her first marriage so she had been married to Charles Bidwell, who bought the team. Charles Bidwell dies. She owns a team. She remarries at some point in those next 15 years. But the team's is ownership is still hers. So in her will, she splits the team between her two adopted sons from her first marriage to Charles Bidwell and Bill Bidwell. Now, her second husband, who had been running the team for a while, was pissed and contested this in court and said, "Hey, I'm her husband, I want the team. I should own the team." This goes all the way to the Illinois Supreme Court, and the Illinois Supreme Court upholds the will, her will, and says she it was her team, she could, you know, give it away whatever the laws in the state were for all of this, and it goes to the team. Then the second husband goes back to court and says tries to invalidate the adoption. Of the sons and says they weren't Wait, actually but, her children. These are,
0: these are like adult sons at that point. Yeah.
1: But they're like <laughs> they weren't adopted legally. So she can't even give the team to them or something. But he loses that as well. So the team goes to these two. Her two adopted sons for her first marriage. Charles Bidwell and Bill Bidwell. Ten years after they get the team. This is in 1962. Bill Bidwell buys out his brother for six and a half million dollars. And Bill has owned the team ever since on his own. I actually don't know what happened to Charles Bidwell Jr. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Hopefully, he's still alive and kicking. I don't know. But bad deal to only sell for $6.5 million because the team is now worth in the billions, of course. But so the Bidwells have owned the team in their family since 1933. I know how you sort of feel about these things, but... um, the, the only the Bears and the Giants, the Bears and the House family and the Giants and the Mara family have had their team in their, the same family for longer. So it, Violet at one point moved the team to St. Louis. They played there for a long time in 1988. Bill Bidwell moves the team back to... Well, actually, I don't even think it was back. He just moves the team to Arizona out of the blue. I think the team had been in Chicago and then I think it went to St. Louis and then comes to Arizona Bill Bidwell, a little bit about him. He's a huge Republican donor. I mean, he's donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to people. He's very old, 85 years old. His net worth is mostly in the team. Obviously, it's been in his family for a long time. Bill Bidwell had the reputation for running the Cardinals very cheaply. The The Cardinals had one of the lowest payrolls in the league for years. However, he, he sort of... Went to them and was like, look, I have to run the team cheaply because our stadium makes no money. He goes to them and says, we need to build this new stadium. And if we do, then things will sort of change. And lo and behold, he gets the money to build a new stadium. Of course, 70% public funding to build the University of Phoenix Stadium. And he's sort of, uh, this is, sort of did happen. They built the stadium. Attendance went way up. They started investing more in the team. The team got much better. I mean, the team played in the Super Bowl shortly after they built the new stadium. You know, the the team was really good two years ago. Um, I I looked at an online likability index for the owners, and Bill Bidwell used to be very low. But basically, because of the new stadium, because they're sort of spending a little money on the team, they said, quote, a surprise Super Bowl run, a beautiful new stadium, and a hugely successful tenure of Coach Bruce Arians has boosted Bidwell from the bottom of the pile to well, the bottom of the middle of the pile. And they put him, <laughs> they ranked him twenty third in terms of the likability. If if so, he they're were doing the your, your team.
0: They're doing your top third, middle third, bottom third yeah, thing so, too. Yeah. So so
1: he moved from you know, sort of dead last to now, sort of you know, 23rd, top of the bottom third. Five years ago, he gave a, a lot of control of the team to his son, Michael Bidwell, and this has basically changed a lot. Carson Palmer said, quote, when asked about the team's turnaround, he said, "It's quote, it's easy to say it's a head coach of the GM, but it's the owner, and you would never know it. He doesn't want to be here when the media is here. He's not doing interviews, but he's picked the right people to hire, and he wants to win. He doesn't have a hand in every decision, but he's hired the right people, and he knows it. And I think in this, he's not necessarily just talking about Bill Bidwell. He's talking about Bill Bidwell and his son, Michael Bidwell, and sort of how they've been running the team recently as opposed to historically. So I think Michael Bidwell, when Bill Bidwell passes away, which hopefully he doesn't for a very long time, I think the team is in good hands based on their trajectory as of late. So three points
0: from everything you're telling me. First of all, I have to say, if you get adopted by an NFL owner, that's like hitting the adoption lottery. That's good. It's like, you know, there are people like the next person adopted at the orphanage is like, come on, man. <laughs> like couldn't I have been picked up one family earlier? Yeah. Secondly, I like to think that Charles Bidwell Jr. took that six and a half million and was an early investor in a little company called IBM. And he <laughs> made he made it all back. He made <laughs> And then some. He's or doing Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. And then as you're talking about them moving the team, you're like, oh, you know, they moved to Arizona sort of out of the blue. Right. Okay. Here's my thought. You said that they moved in 1988,
1: right? Yeah. They've been in St. Louis for, I believe, nearly 30 years.
0: Okay. So they moved almost 30 years ago. And you said that Bidwell is about 88 years old, right? 85. 85. Okay, that makes sense. He was retiring. That's what people do when they retire. <laughs> they move to Arizona. He was like, "I want to retire. I'm gonna move to Arizona." And people like, "Oh, so you're gonna like leave the team to your kids? Are you gonna are you gonna sell it?" He's like, "Oh no, no, no the team's no. coming with me. Yeah, I'm retiring to Arizona. I'm going down where the weather's nicer. Hot, dry. Everyone's air. coming
1: with me. Nice winners.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's totally what happened. No he just rain wanted to retire to Arizona.
1: Yeah." You're <laughs> right, uh, that's when he is fifty five, is right at that age.
0: Yeah, right at retirement age, kind of an early retirement, but yeah, you know, early. Good for hey, him.
1: he he's earned it. He's earned it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. He should enjoy the the dry, warm weather. Why should he suffer through another frigid St. Louis winter? Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't think they don't, think they don't think they have those,
1: but I'm sure it's muggy there in the summer. Yeah, why should
0: he suffer through another sweltering humid yeah. St. Louis summer? Not muggy in Phoenix. I wonder if there are any places that have, like, historically bad autumns. Like, everyone talks about, like, really cold wind. Like, it's like, oh, autumn. Autumn in St. Louis is, like, the worst.
1: Well, autumn in Phoenix has a average high temperature of 100 degrees. So, that's... <laughs> there it is. It's there pretty... It is. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Like, oh, but when you're fucking, older, you love that heat. Apparently, fucking, that's what's good for
0: you. People are like, it's fucking fall. It's hot out. And I don't even have shade from the leaves anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Look. Bidwell seems fine. I don't particularly like the sort of family team, especially because, look, there is like a little bit of a um, PTSD from the Spanos family and similar stuff with like the, there's a salary cap and then there's a salary floor. Yeah. They would always be not near the floor. They'd be right in the middle. So it would look like they were spending a lot. But then when you actually saw the charts that they would sometimes have of like, the rank of every team with what they actually spend because like so much of the cap is like some of it's deferred money some of it's like like there's so many ways to manipulate the cap that the chargers were doing the opposite they were not manipulating the cap so they could look like they were closer to the top of the cap than they actually were yeah and i don't i don't want to say that the bidwells are doing the same thing but there's just a little bit of like a hint of that with the Team that's not spending a lot of money. And it sounds like maybe that was in the past. I think
1: that's. I think they they said we need to build this new stadium. Yeah. Obviously, the yeah, public supported fair. them a lot. But I I think that it since the new stadium was built, I do think revenue's gone up, attendance has gone up, and they're investing in the team more. And I think it's sort of a a positive feedback loop there. Where I mean, look, the the argument that this team has been historically inept, basically, right. right, for its entire history. I mean, they made the playoffs from. 1994 to 2007 they made the playoffs one time before the yeah. Super Bowl. That's why the Super Bowl run was so crazy cuz they'd missed the playoffs I think the 10 previous years or the 9 previous years. So it really came out of nowhere and then you know they've they've been pretty good and and Bruce Arians, you know, good coach. So
0: right. Look, I think this ownership family is perfectly fine. I don't think that they're monsters. I'm going to give them a 7 out of 10.
1: All right, 7 out of 10. Number 9, rate the uniform and the logo. So just to get the where the cardinal name came from, the franchise began, used to play in Chicago in 1898 before moving to St. Louis in 1960. And then, as we talked about, Arizona in 1988. The original team owner, Chris O'Brien, purchased used and faded maroon jerseys from the University of Chicago in 1901 and dubbed the color of his squad's new outfits Cardinal Red, and therefore the nickname was Born. The team adopted the Cardinal bird as part of its logo as early as 1947 and first featured the iconic Cardinal head on its helmets in 1960. So there you go. The, it was, the Cardinal came after the color of some old cheap jerseys they bought, and then they sort of... Isn't
0: that how it always is with like the really old teams where it's like, well, that's that was the... <laughs> yeah. like. Like the that the cost of fabric was the most uh, decisive factor. Yeah, it makes me wonder if they were originally named after like the cardinal, like the Catholic cardinals, like bishops, cardinals, whatever. No, the bird, the bird didn't make an appearance for another how many years? You oh, said? you
1: saying that maybe the color he came up with cardinal red based on the red that like Catholic cardinals would wear because they yeah, do exactly. wear red, don't they?
0: Yeah. So this is like. Cardinal red, like a cardinal would wear. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Or are the cardinals wearing red because of the bird?
1: Oh, cardinal or is, is bird- a vivid red. I'm just looking up cardinal on Wikipedia. Cardinal is a vivid red, which may get its name from the cassocks worn by Catholic cardinals. Mm-hmm. Although it says the color worn by cardinals is actually scarlet. Hmm. So I don't know. This uh, is... This, I mean, I know none of our listeners are going to research this, but that's definitely maybe some cardinal fans will know
0: I mean, I would say that it would be I would like them more if they actually had a Catholic cardinal on their helmet rather than the bird, <laughs> 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 but then with the Catholic Church you know sex abuse scandal, you know yeah and that becomes risky. its own it becomes its own problem. I mean, talk about you know, you said no one gets offended by the cardinal name on the cardinals forum, but but maybe maybe there are some people uh yeah. who would. I don't think in our great ornithological debate that the cardinal is by far the weakest bird that we've discussed so far.
1: Yeah. I I mean, the cardinal is just a little tiny bird. Like a falcon could like eat a cardinal without even while sleeping.
0: Right. I would bet that eagles actually do eat cardinals.
1: I mean, I think when baby eagles are born to get their like starter food to like get used to like catching and killing other birds, they like eat cardinals. They practice on cardinals. Yeah. That's yeah. like just to get they, started.
0: Oh, that is a healthy and robust cardinal that's a good yeah. match for my like newborn
1: baby eagle. Yeah. Well I mean the to- like mother eagle is like another cardinal, like you gotta up your game a little bit, you know, come on. Get the get a real bird. Now, I mean,
0: an eagle versus a Catholic cardinal, on the other hand. <laughs> be a fair tough. fight. Be a fair fight. Now this is a weird thing though, because there also are the baseball cardinals yeah. Um but but playing in a different city.
1: But they used to play in the same city. How weird right. is that? Don't you think that would be weird if you're in St. Louis and you're like, "Ah, oh, how about that Cardinals game this week?" and you're like,
0: "Which one?" Yeah, I think that what you said about St. Louis is true. You would always be talking about the baseball game.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because the t- the football team was terrible.
0: Um yeah, the Cardinals are fine. Uh it's sort of not the most exciting mascot um and not the most exciting jersey or it's like it's not even colors it's just color it's just red just red with white writing there's no secondary color on there i am gonna say four
1: and a half out of ten all right four and a half out of ten wow tough number 10 did they play a style of play you'd enjoy watching so you know all their this is just a tale of two seasons in 2015 they were number one in yards per pass one of the most exciting offenses In the NFL, their offense was ranked 4th in DVOA. Their defense was ranked 3rd. They were the 3rd best team according to DVOA in 2015. Come back, basically the same team this year. Their defense still is 3rd in DVOA, but their offense plummets all the way to 21st. So overall, they're the 15th best team per DVOA. They went from being 1st in yards per pass to 26th in yard per pass. Carson Palmer's passer rating went from 104 in 2015 to 87 last year. This is the same player, roughly the same offense, and it's just Carson Palmer, just just his quality of play, the touch on his deep ball, his decision-making just all went downhill. So, you know, if it's a 2015 version of the team, it's this absolutely exciting, unbelievable offense, With the addition of David Johnson, who now in his third year is really, you know, understanding Bruce Arian's offense, who's obviously had this great year last year and is going to expand upon that, or you're going to get an even worse version of Carson Palmer, and then you're just going to suffer through another year where it's a great team and a terrible quarterback. So I'm sort of at a loss for how to
0: rate this, because if we're talking about the 2015 Cardinals, It's absolutely the style of play that I would love to watch. But if we're talking about last year's Cardinals, it's not at all. So I guess my concern is how often does a mid-30s, maybe early 30s, whatever Carson Palmer is, quarterback— Oh, he's
1: he's in his 15th year. Okay, so
0: how often does a quarterback in their 15th year?
1: He's 37 years old. Oh, my God.
0: How often does a 37-year-old quarterback lose it? And then come back the next year and like have it back. It just seems like a very dubious proposition to me. And I feel like the 2017 Cardinals will look more like the 16 version than the 15 version. That's what worries me.
1: I think normally I would absolutely say it's true. But you are and have rooted for your entire fandom a quarterback just like this, Philip Rivers, who's thrown in unbelievable great year and then a dud year and then he comes back the next year i mean this guy is a master of what philip rivers am i getting this year
0: but rivers has never had a year like carson palmer's year
1: i mean carson palmer's year wasn't that horrible his passer rating at the end of the year was 87 which is still like average it's just that the year before his passer rating was 104 and he was an mvp candidate it was just that you know in the in the modern nfl you're gonna need an MVP caliber quarterback to really compete. And I guess, you know, we've seen that last year. Tom Brady and Matt Ryan in the Super Bowl. The year before we saw that with Peyton Manning and Cam Newton, you know? So, well, I guess Peyton Manning was actually terrible that year, but whatever. He was <laughs> he'd been good in the past. So you are you gonna get a Carson Palmer who is just you know, one of those top five quarterbacks in the league. I mean, you're right. I think that the odds are probably unlikely. I think that's why they're over under is eight, but there's there's certainly a chance. There's a chance.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that I would definitely put them pretty high based on Bruce Arians and based on, you know, sort of being focused on a potent offense. But I am just worried about Carson Palmer. I'm just flat out worried. So I'm gonna say six out of ten.
1: Six out of ten. All right. They're gonna. They have some work to do here, Joe. Number eleven. What is interesting about this fan base? I mean, there's not much to say here. They're about twentieth in attendance. You know, they're about in that fan index ranking. They're in the low twenties. One potentially interesting thing is there was the study that rated this like fan index thing. Also did a study based of what they called either bandwagon fans or. To use the more appropriate, or a more positive term, discerning fans, they used either. <laughs> and so the Cardinal fans were number one in the index, where years they were good, the fan response in terms of watching on TV, in terms of buying stuff, went way up. And in years they were bad, it went way down. So they were number one in sort of the correlation between how good the team was and how much support they got on the metrics the study was looking at. So it's you know Yeah, the fans are
0: just practical. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So that they're
0: they're number one for that. Yeah, I mean the one thing that we haven't talked about a lot with the Cardinals is suffering in the same way that we've talked about so many other teams. And it's interesting because I think it's almost like they haven't had had enough hope in their history, right? That like that that the Chargers, part of the heartbreak about the Chargers and your Washington Football Club a little bit too, is that they've had years when they should have been very, very good, when like the pieces are there and it just doesn't come together either through bad playoff losses, in your case like terrible ownership decision making, um, or through injuries or whatever. And, and and the Cardinals had this long period of time where they were just not good and not spending the money to be good. And then they have been pretty decent overall and you almost feel like there could be like a version of the Cardinals fans 10 years from now that have that like built in heartbreak so it's sort of odd to say that about a team that's never won a Super Bowl but it does feel like there's a little bit of like you know when I go into these Reddit forums you see I mean that response that I read at the beginning from that Washington Football Club fan who's just like you can hear the pain in his voice about being yeah. A fan of that team. Right? So the,
1: the thing about Phoenix, though, that's very interesting is that so if you like look at Champs or Chumps, they're, they have the eighth longest drought, 15 years, 59 seasons. They have all four teams and they have not won a championship since 2001. But that championship they won in 2001, Phoenix, had to have been one of the most satisfying championships ever when the Arizona Diamondbacks. Beat the New York Yankees, and I believe that was in seven games. And I right. think that was just one of the most amazing championship victories ever. So that was when
0: Kurt uh, Schilling and, um, yeah, the big unit, the big unit. That's yeah. right. It's for the Diamondbacks. I, uh, right. Obviously, as a Padre fan, I hated the Diamondbacks, but I still was absolutely rooting for them in that series. Of course.
1: Yeah, that's. That's what they're clinging to. But otherwise, the Phoenix Suns, who've been around the longest for 50 years, never won a championship. And I think the Suns had Charles Barkley, and they had some very good teams. They never won. You know, they've only had the Cardinals for about 30 years, which is interesting when you're talking about these fan cultures, because Phoenix itself has been, you know, on the rise so much recently, like in terms of population. They've only had the NFL team for 30 years. They've had the NHL team for 20 years. They've had the baseball team for 20 years. They've had the basketball team for longer, for 50 years. But th- it, this is a, a place where, really, these teams are sort of creating the history it, as they're going. But, you know, o- other than that one championship that the Diamondbacks won, no other team has um has has gotten a ring. So, you know, it's sort of a suffering fan base. But at the same time, I feel like you could think of yourself as an up-and-coming fan base, maybe.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think... it. I would definitely think of it as an up and coming fan base. I also think that it is a little bit um similar to Tampa Bay in that like it is probably a very region specific fan base. I don't think there's like that much of a national following. You know, yeah. and the other thing is that like there's not a, a huge like natural rivalry in the division. I mean, I assume probably the team right now that they dislike the most is the Seahawks only because they're good, but like yeah. the Seahawks have a more natural rivalry with the 49ers. Yeah, And so then I guess it would be the Rams, but I don't know how much animus there is between the two teams. I can't imagine there's much right now, but, um, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. I think, I think it seems like a fine fan culture, but I, I don't, you know, I think we've sort of, even for good or for bad, we've given more points to fan cultures that are very, very distinct, even yeah in the cases where that distinct has not been great. In this case, there doesn't seem to be a huge number of very distinguishing things about Cardinal fans. So I think this is going to end up being a lower score, like a four and a half out of ten.
1: Four and a half. And we could be wrong, but it'll be interesting to see what the uh, the fans themselves think. I guess you'll see what their, their feedback is. Hopefully they won't uh, yell at us for uh, calling them. Cardinals. I think they're just
0: going to be upset because we're using the term Arizona Football Club yeah. to describe them.
1: And number 12, Joe. Rate the drink. What do you think about this drink?
0: Whatever it's called. Hold on. Can I say one more thing about fan culture? This is what we're on the topic though? Yes. Okay. This podcast isn't long enough. What, what is with the Arizona... Why, why not be the Phoenix Cardinals? You don't get a whole state. Arizona Cardinals, you don't get a whole
1: state. So, it's interesting that this happened twice. I mean, they used to be the Phoenix Coyotes. Two years ago, they became the Arizona Coyotes. They were the Phoenix Cardinals. And then 23 years ago, they became the Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, it's just a matter of time before the Phoenix Suns become the Arizona Suns. I think this is, it's a way of just, it's like a blatant money grab. Make everybody get New Jerseys, expand the, I mean... It's only a matter of time before the Dallas Cowboys become like the America Cowboys.
0: But don't you think people in Tucson are like, go fuck yourselves, Phoenix. We want a team, and you're making it impossible.
1: No, they're not getting a fucking team. I think it's it's a way to include them. Scottsdale, you think they're getting a team? I don't think so.
0: Well, not now, they're not. There's already a team there because it's the area. Look, Phoenix, you can't claim the whole state. It's not cool. What, so the Broncos, what, why don't the Broncos be they become the Colorado? Broncos.
1: Because I think Denver is more iconic than Colorado. Even the University of Phoenix is literally
0: everywhere. Their university (laughs)
1: is not in Phoenix. Yeah. I don't even Um, want to get into the University of Phoenix, but I'll tell you, if I went to Phoenix, I would be very upset that the namesake was this like bullshit for-profit university.
0: Well, you'll probably feel good because I'm sure within a year or two, they're going to change their name to Arizona University.
1: (laughs) Well, University of Arizona... And Arizona State University are taken. That's why okay. I yeah, did yeah. that one. Uh, I'm just
0: saying, Phoenix, you don't get all of Arizona.
1: Wait, that's not even... that's. You've already given the score for that. Number 12, rate the drink, Joe.
0: Oh, the drink was great. 8 out of 10.
1: Okay. Jeez. That was
0: all part of my build-up to the drink rating.
1: All right. So I've tallied the scores, and I'll tell you... I thought this was going to be much lower than it ended up, but it's sort, of, it's sort of one of those teams where maybe not all the scores were great, but its lowest score in any category is three and a half. So no like zeros, no twos, no ones. So it rounds out with a 69 and a half. Wow. And I'll tell you, there's no team at 69 and a half or lower that's not even a maybe. You've got a maybe at 69 for the Texans. You've got a maybe at 62 for the Broncos, 62 for the Chargers. And your highest no is the Washington Football Club at 66 and a half. But uh, that's it. So this is normally the maybe zone for you. But, you know, we're still in, I think, a little bit of a gray area. So, you know, you make the call. It is a
0: gray area. And I do want to give, I mean, the caveat to those two 62 scores is one. I mean, one of them is the Chargers who are going to – I wasn't ready to say goodbye at that point. Yeah. And the Broncos, I feel like there's been some great inflation since then. So I, I, I would bet if we did the Broncos again, they'd score higher. But secondly, I also think that, um, you know, we may drop the Broncos. That yeah. still might happen. Yeah. Uh whew, these Arizona, this Arizona. Team.
1: Maybe that can be part of the fan picking, where the fans pick a team that gets in and they also just pick one of the team to illuminate.
0: I don't want to give that much power.
1: All right. Well, you know, I'll just put stuff in the secret lounge, Joe, and then we'll just see what the people do with it.
0: Frankly, at this point, I barely remember what teams got, so you could just make it up at this point. I know. like, oh, no, you move that team on. Uh, <laughs> look, Arizona, this is my toughest decision yet. Wow. They really scored a
1: 69. 69 and a half, no less. Oh, that half point. That drink really helped him.
0: That half point. The drink. The drink did it.
1: Look, it's a half point. Move them on. You got to move them on. Wow. Boom. So it is written. The Cardinals move on. And that's it. That's it for the Cardinals. We don't need to pick new teams. We already know what our next team is. The iconic, the legendary Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers, everybody. If you're a super fan, go to JoePixPod.com slash Secret Lounge. Go there. Use the special VIP email address. If you're a normal person just listening for the first time, email your feedback about this episode or about the Green Bay Packers or about whatever the hell you want to NFL at JoePixPod.com. And we will certainly read it next time where we're going to have a special guest.
0: Rob will be on next time. So any questions for Rob? Wow. Any thoughts about why he's a dick? Yeah. Tom, if you want to write in with like, you know, comparative notes about being a, you know, annoying bandwagon Packer fan.
1: Yeah. Well, Tom should just send in his notes about his tomness and then let Rob respond with his Robness and we'll just see what happens. That's true. I mean,
0: maybe maybe if we actually put the two head to head, I'll end up changing the category for can't root for a team that Tom likes too much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, Joe, we're almost halfway through. This is our fifteenth team. The next one will be exactly halfway through the 16th team. So I think once we get into the back stretch, everything's up. Everything could change. Anything could change.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: But one thing will All never the rules change. Are be rewritten. <laughs> These podcasts are way too fucking long. And that's oh it, gosh. Joe. We're done. It's getting longer. All right, okay. folks. I can't believe you've listened this far. God bless you. See you, everybody. Good night, Dan.